Welcome back to Soulback. This is the R&B Podcast. Kyle here, and I have Tom with me. Tom, what is going on? What's up, Kyle? I'm excited this week. We are auditioning for a placement for Ed, finally. Good riddance to that guy. We have one of our biggest supporters, Dan Bamber, who's stepping in this week. What's up, man? Hey, how you doing, guys? Good to be here. Uh, We're not really getting rid of Ed. He's just away at... uh, which convention is it this weekend, Kyle? Um, this week it's the El Varner convention, so uh, she's joining us on the podcast, and Ed, coincidentally, is not here. Actually, we nice. told him to stay off because we, we have to protect our girl, El, right? Ed is, can be a big-time hater sometimes. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all good because we have... Um, how is that going to work with um, El Varner? Because some of his views on our music is... Not been the most positive. <laughs> we got it covered, Daniel. But well, I mean, first of all, it's great that you're here uh, to join us. But we got to ask you the most important question of all time, Daniel. How do you eat your chicken wings? Because we've been talking about this. <laughs> I, I got to say, guys, I was fairly disgusted at Tom's approach to eating chicken wings. What? I'm all, I mean, I will chew the bone. I will chew the bone. Okay, every Savage. Of that wing. Nasty. That sounds like <laughs> barbarian type of eating, like caveman style right there. I don't yeah, even know what well, to say you about get, that. You get the best chicken out there as well. You got, you got Popeyes, you got Chick-fil-A, and that's always a, a highlight when that's- I travel to the States. That's the best chicken, what you consider the best chicken? Oh, oh my God. Compared to what we get in the UK or, or even Australia where I live currently. Oh, hold on. I don't know what's, Wait. I don't know what's going on down there. Hold up, Dan. In the UK, don't you guys have Nando's? Oh, we, yeah, we have Nando's in Australia as well. It's originally a South African brand, but they don't really do chicken wings in Nando's. It's more wraps, burgers, that kind of thing. You're right, you're right. Uh, anyway, uh, so Daniel, I'm sure you listened to the last, uh, podcast, uh, Tom, I think you missed out on it, but Ed actually explained why he thinks you eat chicken the way that you do. So we need to verify this. Okay. Pretty much what he said is you don't like eating the part of the chicken wing that you touch. So I guess when you're grabbing onto a chicken wing, you're holding on to a part of it. You don't like biting into that piece after, maybe for like sanitary reasons. Does that make sense? Uh, kind of, but not really. I mean, it's just not a clean situation, you know. Like I like eating a piece of grilled chicken because you you eat the whole thing with a chicken wing. You don't know what you can eat on there. There's fat in there. There's like pieces of Muscle. I don't know what's in there. Pieces of chicken bone. I'm just trying to eat the outer portion, which I know is edible, and keep it moving, guys. <laughs> the question is, hey, why are you eating chicken wings if you don't like all the that, That's what that. I'm saying. I mean, that's what well, about, right? I, I don't eat chicken wings that much, to be honest. So when I'm forced to, because my wife loves them, I'll dive in and try to be polite about it. I don't want to embarrass the family, you know, and decline the There's chicken wings. But... polite about eating chicken wings. 
Oh man, and, I know, I know. And the next time we're in uh, in Australia, we'll take Tom to like a vegetarian restaurant. I I think he's banned from eating chicken at this point. Well, the next time, have you been? Have you been before? We have no. not. No. <laughs> there you go. Well, you're welcome. Come to Melbourne, most livable city in the world, officially. Yeah, I've heard that. Sounds What's good. the biggest type of music down there? I mean, the local music scene, uh, there's a lot of independent stuff down here. Uh, but the good thing about living in a city like Melbourne is that most most of their names come out here. I've been to see in the last few months. I saw Van Hunt the other week and Eric Robertson a few weeks before that and uh, oh, Andy David. So, yeah, it's good for that kind of thing. I can just pop over to a little jazz club and see these guys perform. So it's, it's ideal. Pretty cool. Cool. So... I'm going to give a quick shout-out here, guys, to our boy Boom Boom Caesar, Tom, who I know we were going back and forth with on Twitter. Dan, I don't know if you follow our Twitter, but pretty much we got into a conversation about Sierra, and uh, there's a lot of people out there calling Sierra a legend or a future legend, which I, I beg to... Uh, I beg to differ. However, Daniel, today's uh, topic is not about Sierra. It's about your boy, and the guy that you've defended more than anyone I've ever seen on the website, <laughs> T-Pain. If Ed were here right now, he would be yelling. What is your love with T-Pain? I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed Ed's not here because I would love to have this conversation with him. I've got to get it straight with you guys. I'm not saying I'm the biggest T-Pain fan. That's not the case. <laughs> I have like one of his albums. I appreciate what he does. And I know that Ed defended this a lot. But he is a good musician. And yes, he, he's proven his, his ability to sing in some of his YouTube videos. Yet we know his output is largely auto-tuned. But I think there's a place for T-Pain. And I think it's really, I think it's harsh to blame him for the demise of R&B. I mean, one person cannot be responsible for the demise of R&B. And if you look at his album, he put a lot of people on. Like, uh, you know, he's got music soul child on his album. Um who else is he? I think he's had Delilah oh, on one of his I never know about that. That's, that's <laughs> gross. Who was it? It was uh, Delilah. That was it. He had Delilah on one of his albums. So, you know, he put him back in. He's inviting people to get involved. Um, and he's still doing some good stuff now. I see some of his uh, recent stuff on, on YouTube. very good, but, you know, the fashions have changed somewhat, so he's not getting the uh, he's not getting the play that he used to get. But uh, he's a good dude as well, and there's not many of them in the uh, music industry. Wow. Um, is this music Soul Child and T-Pain song good? Because now Tom's curious. Oh, yeah. It's a great song. It's called Reality Show. It's on uh, it's on his Three Rings album. Great song. It's got the music Soul Child and it's got Bilal on the same song. Wow, I must have missed that T-Pain album along with every other T-Pain album. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's his new album. Yeah, I Can't Believe It and Chops and Scrooge is on there. Good album. Uh, listen, Kyle, listen, Kyle. More importantly, though, we got to revisit the Sierra thing. I'm just disturbed for the fact we're having a nice civil discussion with our Twitter followers and and supporters. All of a sudden, you get these people coming out of nowhere who just sit on the internet all day searching Sierra's name to see who says anything remotely negative about her and start attacking you profusely. So we're we just got hijacked and ambushed out of nowhere. We didn't even say anything negatively. We just made some commentary on some facts. Now all of a sudden, boom, 
There's like 50 people attacking us. That's crazy. People just search her name all day. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of the craziest things ever. Stan culture is at an all-time high. And um, it's interesting, Dan. I'll pass it on to you, but I just want to add, like, we support all of our artists. Um, sometimes it does seem like we're harsh on Sierra, but really it's fueled by the stands. Um, but the last comment I saw, which was from Boom Boom, and everyone's entitled to their opinion, but he pretty much said that Sierra will go down as a legend, but Neo won't. I kind of feel like it should be the other way around if either of them will go down as a legend, but how do you feel about that? Do you think that ranking is correct? Because I don't think it is. No, I totally agree with you. Um, I mean, for me, Sierra, she had a little time with, uh, you know, the Queen of Crunk and all that kind of business. And it was obvious time, but, I mean, since then, how many genuinely classic songs has she produced? Um, I, you know, I can't think of many. You look at Neo, he has a, a consistent, high-quality output. He writes with the people. Um, I I think Neo um, is very, very underrated, and he does not get the credit he deserves. Whereas I, I hate to say it, because I don't want to give anyone any, you know, bad comments, but I, I see Sierra as a bit of a gimmick that's uh, got a bit old. Mm. Wow. So, Tom, that uh, that came out of Dan's mouth, not ours. So, Sierra fans, you can yeah, attack cool. him. I'm not on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> They'll find you, man. They'll come to your house. They'll come to yeah, Australia. Come <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. Him too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Tom, it is interesting how. Uh, do you think it's fair for someone of this generation or from the generation that Sierra's in to be the one that determines whether she's a legend or not, or anyone just in general, shouldn't it be the generation before that determines whether you're a, a legend? Cause to me, uh, Lloyd is a legend, but I know he's not, but because I grew <laughs> up with his music, like I can easily just say that. I mean, I feel like we've had these discussions and we know what constitutes a legend. For starters, really no one from the 2000s yet, with rare exceptions, could be considered a legend. We made the argument for Music Soul Child for the reasons that he's had classic albums, his music has influenced other generations, his music has stood the test of time, he's had a ton of hits. I mean, does Sierra meet those qualifications? Are other artists trying to be the new Sierra? I don't know. Has she had classic albums? I don't know. He's had a few hits. She's still here, obviously, but she's also um, like a celebrity, so she's got the money to still be here. So, I mean, that's how I break it down. Yeah, but I think the biggest thing to take away from this, guys, is that we actually do support Sierra, so don't be too offended if we make a honest commentary about her career. We say it about everyone, T-Pain included, Dan. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm saying, I mean, like, uh, mm -hmm. I, I, I like Sierra. I wanted to do well. I, like every artist, you want the best, but I can't say I've really been into her music for, for some years now. And that could be a personal taste thing, you know? But uh, it's, it's just that I'm not checking for it at the moment. Well, 
Tom, let's go into let's go into T Pain's discography of songs that you do know, and you and Dan, I want you guys to let me know if these songs are actually good, and then we'll see if Dan's standum comes out or if you guys are on the same page. Are you guys ready? Oh God! All right, Tom. You Tom, answer first on this one. Is the song "Kiss Kiss" by Chris Brown good? I actually like that song. Believe it or not, it's catchy. We'll go with yes for that one. Yeah, great song, even better video. I didn't say great song. I said the song is catchy. So <laughs> calm down over there. <laughs> I'm just trying to raise it up a bit. <laughs> All right. Um, this song possibly contributes to like the death of R&B, or at least to Tom. Uh, Blame It on the Alcohol by Jamie Foxx. Mm. Man, that's one of the most disappointing songs of the past decade. It probably ranks up there with with Trey songs is say ah for me and like some of the worst songs we've heard in R&B in a while wow wow that is a strong opinion would you disagree I I really like that song I think it was a I'm not going to say classic for its time but it was a it was a well played song at the time and it was definitely a song that I like for sure someone cut this guy's mic off (laughs) (laughs) Um. Uh, all right, last song. Uh, Bartender by T Pain. Tom, is is that that song where he goes, "Can I buy you a drink"? No. No. Oh, what's that? We can. <laughs> is that a different song? It's a different song. It's similar. Oh, it's a similarly bad song. Okay. Cool. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I like Bartender. It's, of the three that you've mentioned, it's probably my least favorite, but it is a song that I still own, and uh, I do quite like it, yeah. Wow. Do you like? Do you think T-Pain is more of a legend than Sierra? Don't answer, yeah, don't answer easily, that. Easily, don't answer, don't answer that. Uh, okay, we're, we're done with the Sierra hating. We actually love Sierra. Shout out to Sierra. Um, guys, let's talk about... Um, there you go. <laughs> yep. Uh, I'm going to quickly just run through some of the new music that came out here. You guys let me know anything that came out uh, that that you can think of for these. Uh, Angie Stone dropped her new album, Full Circle. Elle Varner dropped her EP, Elevation. And Galant, aren't you a fan of, of Galant, Dan? Yes, yes, I am. Um, I saw that you posted his his, uh, his new, his most recent song on your uh, Facebook page. And I actually really liked it. I think he's a talented dude. Great singer, very original as well. So I'm a big fan. Tom, we're Tom. We talk a lot about the new female R&B artists, such as her, LMA, Queen Nija, Summer Walker, et cetera, et cetera. Is Gallant your favorite new male R&B artist? What are you de- What are you defining as new? Like debuted within the? Because he's been out for like a minute now, like five years. I feel like. Yeah. Um. I think that, yeah, I mean, well we we, ha- we had think, that tweet. I made that tweet a while ago. I would say that like um Kevin Ross, Roe yeah. James. Um yeah. I guess you could, you could put Luke in there if you really want to. Mac Wild. So how about how about that era onwards? I feel like that's a different generation though. I mean those guys kind of came in the early that more relates to that that uh tweet you put out 
you know, with the whole Bridget Kelly, because Roe James has been around since the early 2010s. And then, like, right. Gallant, I feel like, came around 2015. You know, his album was in 2016. So I feel like that's a bit different, but he's up there. I mean, it's an amazing voice. His music is a little too alternative for me, alternative R&B. That's not really my style, my preference, but he's talented. What about what's happening with Kevin Ross? Because uh, he seems to have gone quite quiet, unless I'm missing something. He um, started his own label, so he broke away from his label, Motown, and he started his own independent label. So you know how hard it is to get exposure once you're independent. So he's still doing his thing. He's, mm-hmm. he's he's very good, and that uh, the album The Awakening is uh, I love the album. And when he was on your podcast, he came across as such a grounded, chilled out, really good guy. Yep. Yeah, he's true. That's our boy. And uh, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, Kyle. He did the first edition of Soul Bass podcast. Yep. That was from Kevin Ross, and um, yeah, I think he's on Instagram a lot doing, like, song covers. I think he actually did, like, a acapella cover to the Super Mario theme song, like, a week ago. Go check that nice. out. <laughs> yeah, Kyle, I want to touch on this again, though. You made that tweet about that generation, and we're going to talk to Elle Varner about this later in the show, but you made that tweet about that generation being kind of a dark era for R&B. Do you want to talk about that? I mean, yeah, and and Dan, I want to hear your thoughts on this because obviously we know we all grew up on 90s R&B, 2000s R&B, and we talk always on the podcast that around 2010 is when the shift started to happen where maybe even a little bit before that where everything just became a little electronic, the EDM was really taking over, and then that created a new opportunity for artists like Frank Ocean, Miguel, The weekend to kind of come in with that alternative R&B sound. There was still a demand for traditional R&B, but it wasn't like it used to be. And artists such as Luke James, Del Varner, Bridget Kelly, Seven, they came in during that era when the demand for R&B just wasn't there. But they still tried to put out traditional R&B, and it kind of just like fell to the wayside. Um, how, what were your thoughts on that era? Like, were you still following R&B then, then or did you start losing interest? No, I, I've always been following, always. And uh, I see where you're coming from with that. Um, I know, obviously, I'm a big fan of traditional R&B, but at the same time, I really was a fan of, of that, almost uh, the revolution of the new style of R&B. When Miguel came out, I thought that was really original and um, he was trying something new. And I'm a huge fan of Miguel, but... I think if you're looking at Elvana, who you'll have on, um, I felt her first song that she released was a very, very solid song, the one with Jay Cole. I think it was Give It To You, was it? That's, that's the one. But yeah. I, I kind of felt like with her second single, she just went a little bit poppy. And I think that was perhaps, I don't know if I would say a mistake, but it, it, it didn't sound like traditional R&B to me. Um what was that song called? Um, Refill? I think Ed mentioned it. Sorry, go ahead. Refill, that was it, Refill. I wasn't really a fan of that, and um, it didn't really feel like it was in vogue with her first single. But um, I just think maybe that some artists uh, maybe lost a little bit of faith with following that traditional R&B route and 
you know, with record levels being the way they are, maybe we will push towards a bit more of a, a wider, every man appeal style of song. Um, and things tend to fizzle out when you when you kind of do that kind of thing. I, I look at it like, and we talked a few weeks ago to um, Adrian Marcel, and he touched on something similar. A lot of times the label dictates what comes out and what sound you're going to come with. So we don't, we can't, I wouldn't put that. I mean, Refill was a big hit. So you, it's hard to say the label was wrong with that choice, you know. And I think she had, you know, we're big El- Varner supporters and fans. She's got a lot of great songs. I just feel like the label kind of, and this is something we'll talk about with her when she comes on, but she, they kind of messed it up for her, I feel like. And, you know, her first album, for those who heard it, you know, that people love it, that oak and pop sound, you know, yeah. and it's just, but that's, I mean, that's kind of, when I think about that era, though, for me, I think about when I came with the site, when we started the site, we were first getting into these artists, we were getting introduced. I remember here in New York, I'd go to so many events where they'd introduce me to artists who were coming out on the label, and now looking back, I can see how many of those artists never made it. Like, I, it's crazy to think about. I was thinking I was going to see the next big R&B star, and most of them never even came out, but mostly because of the way the industry was going away from R&B. Yeah. Yeah. So shout out to artists who have been able to make it through. I mean, El Varner's still here. He's still on the label. You know, E1. Yeah. A lot of her peers are gone. and I, I think about Marcus Canty a lot. You know, he was signed to um, Epic in L.A. Reid. And... uh I haven't heard from him in like five years, you know, and he was supposed to be the next big thing. I think about what Sylvia Roan had, and you know, she was introducing a whole bunch of different artists. None of those really ever came out. It's crazy. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a crazy time, but I mean, we got to keep it moving. We have a new batch of R&B artists and they definitely have more of an opportunity than the last generation did. And I think they're taking advantage of that and, and they're doing well, but I mean, I'd like to see another album from, like you guys said, Kevin Ross. I know Roe James has been, I don't want to say he's been on the shelves, but it's been a while since we've heard from him. He's dropped a couple of singles. Hasn't really stuck yet, but we're hoping for the best. But guys, I want to switch gears a little bit. I talked to a well-known producer. I'm not going to say who it is. A well-known producer who works extensively with one artist. And over the last couple of years he hasn't worked with the artist as much because the artist has wanted to you know just spread out I mean spread and, and go his own way and you know take control of his career um, they've done some work together on this new album and I asked the producer I asked you know the work that you do with him is his bread and butter is he aware of that and the producer said, yes, he is aware of that, but he feels like he needs to be hot again before we can put this stuff out, which is why he releases trendy songs. Now, I'm not going to tell you guys to guess who that is, but isn't that sad? Hold on, that- hold on, hold on. Ed, do you know, I mean, sorry, Ed. Dan, do you know who he's talking about? And if you do, don't say it. Well, I'm not going to say it, but uh, I've got my suspicions. I'm probably off Okay. Maybe you can tell me offline. We'll tell tell you offline. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But how do you guys feel about that? Like, Tom, isn't that... And and this is an artist that already has established his name, by the way. It's not like some new artist, but isn't that sad? 
that they feel like they need to be hot again. But that's so typical. I mean, you see that all the time where these artists go chasing trends and care more about being famous and being popular than the actual craft of the music. You know, that's why it's so disappointing. And that's why it was so refreshing when you had Eric Robeson on uh, a couple of podcasts ago. Because there's a man who is so steadfast in his love of the genre that he's Mm -hmm. all about the music and he's all about the creativity. So having someone like that is the perfect antidote to the modern problem of, you know, people trapped in all of the songs and, and, and trying to appeal to the to the to the younger market to get your foothold. But it's it's very sad but, you know, I don't work for record and I don't work for um I don't work within the industry so I don't really know the internal workings and why this happens. It's just as a fan as a fan I just find it a bit frustrating. Yeah. For sure. What's your opinion, Cal? Because I know you're you're a big fan of this artist. Yeah, I am, and I've followed this artist since the beginning of their career, and you can tell when an artist goes out of their way to make a trendy record. I don't care how they sell it. I don't care if they say it's still within their foundation or what they're capable of, but you can tell. And over the last couple of albums, I mean, I hate to do it and admit it, but it's like kind of how Ed says it. I just cherry pick off the songs that I really like because for every song that I really like, there's about three that are like, uh, this is kind of trendy. Um, so it is crazy that artists still go this way, especially if they've already established their career. This should be the time for you to really do whatever you want to do. I think it's early on where the, the label kind of forces their opinion on you. But once you're established, I think you need to just go for it and do what you want. But Hey, that's why we're uh, we're podcasters and not artists. I don't know what they go through, but <laughs> hopefully uh, they put out some good music soon. Um, guys, let's talk about the most important topic of all time. And Dan, this is pretty much why we brought you in here. Music Soul Child versus D'Angelo. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Where is this coming from? Wow. Who is go? better? Who is better? Oh man, you're putting me in a, you're putting me in a position here. They're so different. I mean, I love them both for very different reasons. And I think I I, uh, I commented on your Facebook page about it. So for me, I mean, I, there's so many music to hotel songs that I absolutely love to bits, and he will always be one of my favorite, if not my favorite, artists. I mean, I got a huge Wait. picture of his album cover in my living room. He's great. Wait, wait, Dan. Hold on, Dan. We have to ask you one question, and then you can continue. Is Radio by Music Soulchild a good song? No. (laughs) Not for me. Not for me. I don't think Music himself would tell you it's a good song. All right, continue. Uh, But that's that's more along the lines of his little alter ego, The Hustle, really. That's, That's more in that kind of style, isn't it? Yep. Um. Wow, you have a big poster of music in your room. That's that's crazy. Tom, do you have that? I've got a big album cover on my wall. No, I don't have that. But I, what I do have on my on the bar in my apartment is his vinyl of his debut album. So it's more, you know, just a background piece. You know, not, not a poster on the wall or anything like that. Let me get, let me ask you guys a question because. Uh, 
I always get the feeling when I listen to the podcast that not not one of you is a fan of the engineer, which I find astounding because for me, he's, his his songs are just a different level for me. His albums, should I say, actually, his albums are it's more about the albums for me and the the kind of ethereal feel from start to finish that I love about D'Angelo and they're, they're real timeless classics to me. So it's more an album and music's more of a kind of, uh, to me, it's more about the individual song. I'll break this one down, Kyle. Take a seat for a moment, all right? Uh, all right. <laughs> Brown Sugar, obviously timeless classic, one of my favorite albums of all time. One of the best R&B albums of the 90s. Influenced the whole you know, neo-soul artists like Music Soul Child. There probably would be no music without D'Angelo. Let's get that clear. But after that, to me, his his career has been a disappointment, and I don't like voodoo. I think it's highly overrated. People call it a classic. I don't know how. I don't think there's many good songs on the album. I thought Black Messiah was extremely overrated. It feels like an unfinished project. And I feel like we're still holding D'Angelo to this high standard of his first album, just like the same we do with Lauryn Hill. We hold them as legends. However, if they had dropped five subpar albums after the first album, which neither of them chose to release anything, really, we probably wouldn't even look at them like we do now. So that's my strong opinion on this. I actually think the Voodoo is easily his best album, and it's in my top three albums of all time. Easily top three, if not number one for me, one of my, well, maybe here, Songs in the Key like Stevie Wonder, obviously, but Voodoo for me is, is an absolute classic and it's, it's definitely got a, a big place in my heart. But I think Hold on, let, let me ask you a question. Let, let me, let me stop, let me, how old were you when you heard Voodoo? 18. So would you say that had a big impact at that time in your life? Yeah, more than likely, yeah. more than likely. Yeah. Okay. Say, All right. You know, albums can be a time and place. That's, that was my point. Maybe for you, it, you know, because that's a big time when people hold albums near dear to themselves around that age. I'm yeah. just saying. That's, yeah. I, yeah, maybe. I, I, I see where you're going at with that, too, because I think the true test for whether an album is good or not, personally, is not when you listen to it as your, you know, as it comes out and you think it's good, it's when you can go back and listen to an album and still realize it's good. Like I can go back and listen to Tony Braxton's first album and I can undeniably say that it's a good album. I don't think if somebody that was born today went back to, I don't know, Sierra's third album, I don't think they would say the same thing. Again, not a disrespect to Sierra. It was just an example, guys. Calm down. But I don't know, because Tom... If an R&B fan who had never heard Voodoo listened to it today, do you think they would like it, or is it super weird? Well, I la- I tried to listen to it again and recently, actually, the past month or two. I played it five times in a row. I'm like, what am I missing here? It was around the time we had that discussion on our Facebook page. I still couldn't figure it out. And let me tell you, Dan, I go to so many events, or I have been to so many R&B events and stuff, I never hear any songs from this album played, with the exception, obviously, of Untitled, which is one of the most covered songs and played songs I hear. No one ever plays any other song from this album, ever. So to me... I think that's exactly the point that you're missing, is that you talk about songs, and you talk about individual songs. When I think of Voodoo, I don't think of individual songs. I think about the piece from start to finish, how it flows, the feeling, 
the musicianship. It's not about the individual songs for me. It's about the piece as a whole and how it flows. And I think if you talk to any fan of the album, they'll pretty much say the same. Uh, <laughs> I get your point. I still am not agreeing with you because to me it just doesn't have to think it's a piece of genius that's good enough for me. I will I will respect your, your point. It's like we're looking at a piece of artwork like Van Gogh or something and it's like abstract and I don't understand it and you get it. So let's put it that way. Well, music that's is exactly art, guys. Thank you. Music is art. We're allowed to think like that. It is. Um, yep. All right, Daniel. Wait, wait, hold on. Question. Daniel, what about Black Messiah? You didn't comment on that one. Black Messiah, same same principle in that. Actually, there's actually, I think there's more singles, more individual songs on Black Messiah that, that stand out as individual pieces, perhaps, than Voodoo. And it's still a very good album. But of the three, oh. it, it's, it's, it, it's not, obviously, Brown Sugar is a classic, Voodoo is a classic. Black Messiah is still a very good album. When it came out, what, it was like 2014, 2015 when it yeah. came out? I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I've been waiting so long for new music from D'Angelo. So I wasn't I wasn't disappointed at all when it came out. But it, it's not as good as Voodoo or, uh, or Brown Sugar. It's uh, mm. still a very good album. All right. Tom, I can now use Dan's excuse for... Like Jodeci's last album, I can just say, "Oh, it was a piece of art." You know, it's not going to be appreciated <laughs> by everyone. <laughs> All right, let's use that. <laughs> we'll go with that. Um, we have one more question for you, Dan, and then we're going to just quickly wrap things up so we can bring in Al Varner. But how does a guy from Australia know so much about R and B? Well, I'm not. I'm not from Australia. I'm originally from the UK. I, I moved over here when I was thirteen. But um, oh, okay. Okay. I get asked this all the time of my friends because not not many of my close friends are huge kind of R&B soul fans. But um, I think it was in my teen years, I, I got really into Blackstreet in my teen years. And it just went from there. And I was going to all the club nights and going to see various kind of uh, R&B DJs. And it just stuck with me. And I became obsessed with the genre of hip-hop as well, uh, kind of UK hip-hop grind, that kind of thing. It's all within the same ballpark. And then I just got more and more obsessed. And as if you remember in the in the kind of late nineties, early two thousands when R and B was very trendy and quite populist, I noticed there's a lot of people into it back then who since you know, they've really not followed it through and they've not stuck with it. Whereas I just stuck with it and just got so much from it and um then when I found your podcast a few years ago I was I was so thankful that there's other people out there who are uh, as passionate, you know, actually way more passionate than me. So uh, I really rely on you guys to to keep me on the on the pulse. And I think like I can speak for probably most of your listeners. You're an absolute godsend. I don't know where I'd be without you guys and, and your posts and, and put me onto new music. I think there's some of the best new music I've downloaded over the last year. Is pretty much 100% being from finding out through the podcast and uh, Ed Soul's website. So. Yeah, you're a real godsend. I'm not leaving it now. I've stuck with it this long. I'm not turning it back. <laughs> we really appreciate that, man. You know, we just try to be a, a voice for some of these artists who really just need some extra help to reach the masses, and we, we're grateful that we've been able to achieve that. Yeah, absolutely. So, Dan, before we get out of here then, Tom, he did. Tom, uh, Dan did bring up a very cool point about that 
late 90s, 2000s era where R&B was like the hip thing, the trendy thing for everyone to like. You remember those times when everyone loved R&B, right, Tom? Oh, yeah. R&B was pop, we like to say. Yeah, those were, uh, those were the good old days. And, uh, yeah, Dan, you're right. A lot of my friends who probably grew up listening to, like, 112, Drew Hill, et cetera, et cetera, they probably just loved the singles, but now they don't even bother with R&B. It's kind of sad. Yep. But, hey, <laughs> hey, you know what? Following a genre is a lot of dedication. I'll tell you that. It's a lot of work. Yep. Oh, yeah, you guys are proving that every week. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we have one play of please for this week. Um, it's to the Sierra. No, we're not going to make fun of the Sierra stands. We love them. <laughs> oh, but, guys, uh, I think that's it for this week because, Tom, we got Al Varner coming up. But, Dan, is there anything you'd like to add on before we get out of here? No, I really, really enjoyed it. It was good to chat with you guys and uh, finally get his key band business out in the open and the Yandere Music Soul Child thing. But um, no, I'm, I have to say this this year has definitely been a marked improvement. I think from from last year in terms of uh, R and B, I've definitely been noticing that. Was it last year? It was getting a bit bleak at one point last year. You guys were really struggling to uh, get uh, kind of end of year countdown. Was that last year or was that the year before? No, I remember last year being pretty uh pretty sad, Tom. Tom? Wow. Yeah, are you still there? I got shut off the the baby um oh. Maverick hijacked the podcast. He's sitting on my lap. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, did it was last year that you thought was disappointing, right? Tom? Yeah, last year was a tough year for the genre. Absolutely. I'd say the one guy yeah. who really impressed me over the last two, three years in terms of going his own way and turning his back on the big labels and doing it, doing it to the music. PJ Morton. Wow, I saw him live. Great. Gumbo is my favorite album of the last two, three years. Um, and he's definitely you know, he's got his he's got his Jiffy Awards. He's got his Grammy. So I think that guy's really doing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Dan, uh, we're we're running out of time here. We got to bring in L, but I appreciate you for joining us on the podcast. We'll definitely have you back sooner than later. But again, you've been great. I know a lot of T Pain fans are going to be very happy with you. Uh, a lot of Sierra fans will probably come at me, but that's life. Tom, uh, I guess we got to grab our popcorn and our soda because L Varner is coming here now. All right, Dan. Thanks for joining us. All right, guys, welcome back to Soul Back. And like I said, every week we try to bring in someone special, someone who has brought Soul Back and Tom. I'm really excited for this one, and I know the listeners are as well. They've been asking for her for a while now. Tom, who do we have as our special guest? I'm excited to introduce this week's special guest. We've got the amazing Elle Varner, who I personally have watched her grow from before she was even known till now to this point where the new project's releasing. You know, really unique and special talent who's you know, been doing her thing in the industry for some time now. Welcome, Elle Varner, to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tom, I got to throw it to you first because, like you said, you've been following Elle since the start of her career, maybe even a little bit, a little before then. So 
Tom, give me your first impressions of Elle when she first came out. Elle, I've just got to share this story with you because I remember before you, you even had a single out and the label introduced your music to me, and I was like, wow, who's this? And I always share the story. You were probably one of the first artists for You Know I Got Soul who we knew about like before they blew up and helped you know, um, introduced to everyone. So that was a special moment for us early on in the site. So, man, do you remember Thank those early you. days of, of coming out as an artist? Yes, I do, vividly. <laughs> I do. Even even before <laughs> the single was out, remember? You were doing covers. Right. Yep. Uh, Adele and yeah, Miguel. Yep. Miguel, yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. And now... Here we are. I've I, I got to be honest. We've been waiting a minute for this new project, and we're excited it's about to be here. What can you tell yeah. us about how you're feeling right now? I am feeling so excited and just grateful overall to finally – hold on one second. I can't concentrate. Sorry. Give me two seconds. Um, I'm, I'm so excited to, to finally be releasing this project and, you know, just – of course, things could have been different. We always can look at life that way. If this had gone that way, if this had happened. But what I'm starting to see here is things falling into place in, in such a magical, phenomenal way that, that I couldn't have predicted myself. Uh, for example, I'm independent now. I own my master's. I started my own record label. Like These are things that could have maybe not happened until 20-something years into my career, you know, um, had things gone differently. And I'm I'm just leaving Apple Music right now and just being able to go up there and meet with people, not just as an artist, but as a label owner, is is really powerful and, and exciting. So just to have finally a project to talk about and put in people's hands, it's just like, okay, let's go. <laughs> right. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Now, Elle, you got to break it down to us in terms of that period after your debut album, because I'm, I'm sure a lot mm-hmm. of fans have been asking, where's the music? Where's the music? And that went on for a certain amount of time. So what were your feelings like when the fans would ask you? Because that, that can't be easy mm-hmm. to tell them you got to wait. Right. Well, I mean, it's been a learning process. I've I what I've learned and I'm still learning, but is to to not take everything uh to, to kind of have like a barrier, an emotional barrier to to understand how the business works and not to internalize everything cuz that is that's what's dangerous. You know, when you to tie in your emotions and the the fabric of your life into this one aspect of your life. And I I experienced that for some time. What saved me from that was just going back to to the basics, which is creating, getting back in the studio, writing songs. That that's what what it. You can't take that away from me. You know, no one can take that away from me. And even though I wasn't able to release music and it was frustrating, I just, I got through it and here I am now, you know. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, we're really looking forward to hearing this project. Like we said, I know, Kyle, you've had a chance to hear it, but Elle, you got to fill us in because we, we've heard this project called a few different things. Is it an album? Is it a mixtape? Is it an EP? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you considering this? 
It is. It's definitely an EP. It's it's an mm-hmm. extended um, EP. It's got nine tracks, but it's it's absolutely setting up for the sophomore album, which I'm okay, cool. pretty much finished with. But I'm I like I just saw 1985 um, the other day, and Brian Michael Cox. Yeah, I know you guys know mm-hmm. him, but um, nineteen. You know nineteen? No, I don't. He's, uh, Okay. He's half of Division, and he's okay, uh, yeah, one of yeah. one of the big OVO Drake producers. Yeah. So I I worked with him a couple years ago. So things are just starting to 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 really come together in terms of like I've I've just done so much um, from BT Awards this year to Essence Fest. You know, it's it's nice to be back in the mix. You know, like I meeting all these artists, Lucky Day, Black well, I didn't mm. meet Black yet, but we're we're friends. We have a uh, we have <laughs> a little inside joke about that. But um it's it's just really exciting to, to officially be back, have something to talk about, something that I know for sure is coming out. It just changes the whole experience from this idea to a reality. And uh so I'm networking and just being out there in the space. Um, so, yeah, Elevation is the setup for the album, the official album, which will have certain tracks that are already fan favorites. I'm known for that. Um, nothing yeah. will be on there. Um, and that that's pretty much the only one that, that people will know. Um, mm. other than that, the rest of the, the, you know, number one song is on Elevation. That was another fan favorite. So. Cool. Yeah. So, Tom, like you mentioned, I, I did get a chance to listen to Elevation earlier today. I went through the whole thing and L, I got to say on the record, Wishing Well with Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. It's funny because mm-hmm. a couple years ago, you put out songs like F It All and Cold Case, and that was like that angry L. Varner uh, time right. period. And now Wishing Well, that's such like a self-reflective, like you're letting, yeah. you know, you're, you're wishing them well, even though they, they may have done you harm in the past. You know, just talk about yeah. the, the, the change of mentality there. Well, thank you for pointing that out. And that that literally is why this project is called Elevation. It's not just a cute pun on my name. It's like, but that that all that baggage and all that anger and disappointment was was bringing me down, you know, in so many ways. And the fact that it's called elevation and it is such an uplifting message, and I'm in such a better place. Uh, I'm just I'm happy to share that. And I'm I said this earlier. Honestly, I'm glad. Well, I don't know if I want you to quote this, but, like, of course, four-letter word would have been great if it had come out. But but now I don't have to be defined by such a hurt uh, hurt project. Like, I was hurting badly. And I love the songs. I always will. But I don't have to define my second album by by that uh, level of, of that particular emotion. Um, I think my music has always uplifted people in some way and and struck a chord, so I'm I'm happy to be doing that. That's dope. 
I'll tell you what, Al, man, we were so happy to see you land on your feet with E1, you know, a label we worked with, all, you know, oh. throughout the years extensively. You right. know, they have so many dope R&B artists that they sign, make great signings. I'll tell you, though, yeah. and you don't have to respond to this, but, man, we were we were mad at RCA because <laughs> we were waiting for that second album to come out, and we oh, yeah. felt like it should have been come out, and for what, we don't have to get into it, but, like, we were mad at them. So we'll just put it that way. So right. we're, we're happy to see that you're landed with, you know, because so many artists from your generation we feel like have faded into obscurity, but at least E1's <laughs> a great machine to help you drive this new project. So how do you feel about being there? Yeah. Oh, I love it there. Um, first of all, I'm I'm given the freedom, the creative freedom to really do what I want to do as an artist, but have the support and the funding that I need to, and the resources, you know, to execute. And then there's also just such a, a phenomenal staff, you know. Some people I've I've known for years from different situations. It's it's a it's a small boutique vibe and and everyone's just so talented and committed to each artist individually, which is amazing. So right. I'm just yeah, this is this is so wonderful for me to be in this situation right. where I'm getting the best of both worlds. Right. You know? and, yeah. And of and of course you wish RCA well, right? <laughs> oh, I wish them well. I wish them nothing but well. No, I really do. I, I, um, I'm grateful to RCA and MBK uh, for helping me start off and on a on a uh, on a professional level because I I started I started in in middle school, high school, but. To, to help me get my name out there on a on a professional level, and and what we started will always be will always be revered and and appreciated by me. But it's time for a new chapter, and quite right. frankly, mm -hmm. I'm I'm stepping into. Um, I I can't say that I would have ever, even though initially, like I went to NYU, Clive David School. To learn the music business, I I wanted to. Um, I always saw myself potentially as an executive or you know running a label. But something and he said, "Now you got to go for this artist thing because just just do it, do it because because you want to and 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 because you can do it because you can." And I'm glad that I did. And and now I get to do both. I get to be an artist, but I also get to start expanding my the business side of of my career as well. Mm -hmm. Nice. So nice. Now, L, just like Tom was mentioning earlier, when you came out, you know, R and B was in a much different place than it is now. Yeah. I would honestly say when you came out, that was probably the toughest time for R and B because. The demand Absolutely. for it at the time, it wasn't there, but you were one of the few new artists that actually made it and, and hit the mainstream. What was the challenges mm -hmm. that you had to go through during that time period that people might not know about? I think that uh, at the time, I was so... First of all, I saw a void in in the R&B space at the time, and I... Because I grew up on such classic R and B, I um, 
it it just it was perfect. It was like, okay, we're gonna put we're gonna take this hip hop bottom and marry it to this acoustic slash R and B, whatever this is that I got going on because it's definitely unique. And and uh and we did that and, and all I had to do really was just take a stand for it at the label, you know, and and when you when you have that confidence it kinda brings everybody on board. So I wouldn't say what once we got to the point of um once we got to the point of deciding we were going with it uh with like refill for example which it was there was a challenge some people wanted me to take out the fiddle you know um i I just i was just so confident about it and it really showed um it 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 yielded the results that that i was hoping for in terms of being able to cut through and and bring r&b classic r&b a little bit more mainstream at that time. Right. And then you know, quite frankly it it opened up it 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 started um it it started a, a domino effect, you know? It's just like with each artist that that comes and breaks through a certain threshold, you open the doors for others and that's a beautiful thing. So so I'm just I'm just happy you know, overall for R&B as a whole right now. But, hell, there's one artist I've got to bring up who I believe you were label mates with at MBK, and that's Gabby Wilson, a.k.a. her, who mm-hmm. has kind of been interesting. She's had her own, you know, kind of trials and tribulations to making it because if you look at what the label kind of had her do with the, the image and not showing her face for a while, and even to me, I mm-hmm. still look at Gabby Wilson and say, man, she's really not showing her full vocal potential she's kind of holding back and i think that's also label driven so i look at at that as a you know that's maybe something she struggles with but she's extremely successful obviously mm-hmm. but as an rb lover i just look at you know look at it and, and look damn how do you i mean what do you like think about an artist like her well i think it's i think she's incredibly talented and hard working yes. And I think that uh, it's exciting to see, to watch. I've known her since she was probably 10 or 11. And to see that she is really making a name for herself on, on such a massive level, that's, mm-hmm. that's what this is all about. You know what I mean? Um, especially for Black female artists, we we deserve to be heard on on mainstream, you know what I mean? Just like everybody else. So... It's it's all it's all a collective. Even though we're individual artists, whether it's LMA or Ari Lennox or her or Marsha, it's like everything that we. It's a it's a ripple effect, you know. And and it just it's a cycle that keeps giving and taking and giving and taking. So um, I think that. I don't know, man. That's a little boss right there. So I, I think that yeah, yeah. Whatever she's doing, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that she's got her, her vision, and 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 that's what I would, I would hope for. And you know, she's, she's got the whole, her whole life, really there to, to just 
that's the thing about it is that I've learned most of all is like this is this is an ever changing uh paradigm that that you're here one day, you're there the next day, and the one thing I would give to any artist piece of advice is try to keep your joy throughout it and don't measure your worth on your current position because that can change at any time. And mm. once I got past that, there, there, there ain't nothing you could do. You can't take that away from me. You know, um, like many new artists, you you uh, you just want to get to that point. You want to make it. You just want to make it. And you're like, oh, I just got to make it. But then to keep it and to keep your sanity and your health and your uh-huh. emotional health, all that is, that's a different game right there. And I, I feel mm-hmm. like I've, I've, it's a valuable lesson that I've learned. And, and, uh, as I, as I continue and begin this journey as, with my label, I just, I now have so much more to offer any artist that I sign, you know, in mm. terms of the, um, the experience, the hands-on experience that I can offer is, is unique and, and rich. Right. Right. And, and shout out yeah. to her. I've met Gabby a couple of times and she's super dope, but, Elle, I want to get back to you for a second with your with uh-huh. your projects that you have coming up here. Perfectly yeah. Imperfect, massive success with Refill, Grammy-nominated mm-hmm. single as well. So with this mm-hmm. new project and future projects that you have coming up, how are you going to measure the success being that now you're independent? Like, do you still look at it the same way you did when Perfectly Imperfect came out? Oh, definitely not. I mean, the thing is, a lot of that, when you... There's a certain level of success that's almost guaranteed with a certain amount of money that's that's spent on a on a major uh on a major campaign. You know, the budgets are endless. The the it's it's just a different thing. Um what I'm building now independently is it's not something that yields the, the imme- most immediate return and that's completely okay. You, we don't know what's going to happen. It could, one of the singles off of this could blow up, but it might be the next project that blows up or the one after that. But the most important thing for me is that I finally can stop talking about it and have it out. I can tour now because I have new music and I can just continue. If I want to drop another album uh, on July 25th, I can do that. That's uh-huh. all, that's up to me. So um, that's just that's just the best part about it. So, right. And then lastly, El, we're almost out of time here, uh-huh. but I got to yeah, ask yeah. you this because it's it's a massive transition for you to go from major to indie, and it's not for everyone, right? The indie life it's, right. it's tough. It's a lot. It's a lot yeah. more that you have to do yourself. So when you had to transition over to indie, and that was a couple of years in the process, in the making, did you ever think about at some point giving up and figuring out something else to do? Uh, I would be lying if I said I didn't. Um, wow. I, 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 <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely started. And, and on the song, Be, be Encouraged, um, one of the lyrics, I've been where you are so low, 
wonder why I'm here for real though. Like I, it's, it's, it's a little bit dangerous, the level to which I, I identified my, um, my self-worth, not self-worth, but how much I validated myself by my exterior success. And, and, you know, okay, I went to NYU. Okay, I got nominated for Grammy. Okay, I won a Grammy. Okay, I'm di- I'm on this. Like, I'm on L magazine. Like, okay, that's cool and all, but but on a on a much bigger note, um, even if whether I'm singing to five people or five thousand people, the the importance of that doesn't change for me anymore. Like. I know that it might be one person that was there in that room that needed to be there. For example, perfect example, I just did a show at a college in, outside of Philly a couple of months ago. They said not only was I the first female headliner they've ever had, but I was the first artist that they've ever had that brought together black, white, gay, straight, there was every kind of student in that audience, and they've never had Mm. that unity at their school before. So I don't don't take any of this for granted. I mean, I, I think that as long as I keep showing up, and thank God I didn't quit, as long as I keep showing up and doing the work and having fun with it, it's 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 gonna be more than okay, and it, it is it's more than okay now. But in terms of like you say, measuring against perfectly imperfect, I I'm very optimistic about the situation, and and just my life in general, my career. Wow, well, you know, Bill Withers you started at 32, mm-hmm. the first time he uh-huh. walked into a studio. So, yeah. so you know, Tina Turner was 44, I believe, when she left Ike and became the Tina Turner that we know. So all these things, if I can give anything to the people listening or reading this, it's like whatever field you're in, whatever you do, just just make sure you're good with yourself. That's that's all. That's all you can control is your perception. You can't control others. You can't control your boss. You can't control your boyfriend, your girlfriend. You can't control none of that. So, you know, you are in control of, of your emotions and, and the way you choose to to um, go through this life and how it affects you. That's what I've learned from this process, and it's invaluable. And, yeah, elevation. <laughs> <laughs> That's dope, Elle. Thank you so much. And. We're we're out of time. I just want to give two quick shout-outs, Elle. The first one is yes. to Kate Bird. I know you're part Kate Birdian. And, yes. Elle, I'm actually – my wife is actually Kate Birdian. My son, who's six months old now, is half Kate Birdian. So oh. I got to always show love to Kate Bird. <laughs> oh, much love, much love, yeah. and, <laughs> and the second shout-out is to your dad, who, you know, always holds you down. We've seen him perform with you in, in, in your band, you know, at your shows throughout the years. I believe <laughs> He introduced you on this call, so I always got to show him love as well. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. I will let him know. I will send Absolutely. him that love. Thank so, you guys Elle, thank, so much. Thank you so much again. Looking forward to the album. Best of luck. All right. Thank you. <laughs>